It is officially Christmas season now, as made evident by the songs that we're singing and the decorations that are up everywhere. And there's kind of two re- like responses to Christmas. You're either like Buddy the Elf or you're like Ebenezer Scrooge. And so wherever you land on that spectrum, like it or not, here we are. It's time to celebrate Christmas. And so I, I thought that I would start this morning by giving you some ideas for some very unique Christmas gifts. So I want to help you out. I don't know if you've done your shopping yet. Um, some of you are already done. You got done in July and it's already, it's done. And some of you are going to wait and like you got 20 something days still. So you're fine. You're good. You can get it late. All right. So here's some good ideas. This first one I thought would be good. Um, you can do this. You can put your face on socks. That is a thing. And I've actually seen these. And so if you wanted to do that, that would be very unique. Uh, if you need a face to borrow, I've got pictures on Facebook. You can put my face on socks. And there you go. It's kind of weird. It's kind of unique. The the second one, this is kind of going to be trendy for you. It's going to be good if you're really into technology. This is actually a thumb, thumb drive. That's creepy. Yeah, 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 there it is. And so uh, you can have all kinds of memories stored on that. (laughs) This is the next one I really like. Maybe maybe you, what do you get for the man who has everything except for hair? Uh, You get them the tattoo pay. That's what you get them. The tattoo pay, put that right on there, that's unique. It fits right in the stocking, but it really, it boosts the self-esteem. And the last one, this is so you can build some Jesus into your holidays. This is our daily bread toaster. (laughs) Yes, uh, so you get the face of our Lord with his halo right there on your toast. Um, (laughs) Unique. The series that we're starting today is called Unique Jesus. And the reason I start with these unique gifts is because I want us to really focus on the word unique. When you think about the word unique, it can take on some different connotations. And one of them is like, it's a euphemism when you don't want to say something's like really dumb. You might say, well, that's unique. Kind of with your eyebrow up like that. But unique means something much more positive and important. Unique means the one and only. Like it's been done this way and it can't be done by someone else this way. It's a unique talent or a unique set of abilities or a unique personality. And so as we talk about the concept of unique Jesus for this Christmas season, um, we're going to be looking at some unique qualities that make Jesus, Jesus. I mean, after all, like uh, he was so unique to humanity that it has been 2,000 years since he walked on this earth and people still talk about him. More than that, people follow Jesus. That's amazing. 2,000 years, no other trend, no other hobby has stuck around that long to where people like dedicate their entire lives to this guy. And I think it's because of the unique things that he brings to the table. And it makes you beg the question, like seriously, what kind of person was this Jesus guy? For him to have that staying power, for him to stick around in our collective minds for over 2,000 years, what kind of person was he? A Christian believes that Jesus was God who came in the flesh to live on the earth and to show us the way back to God. And I'm going to tell you something. Like, without some reasoning, some, some good uh, evidence, that sounds crazy, doesn't it? People, many people have claimed that. Many people have claimed that they're God, that they are divine, that they're the way back to God. Like there's all, there, there are all kinds of people who claim that and we normally call those people crazy. We call them cult leaders. 
We call them disturbed. Maybe we call them mentally ill or they're on too many drugs. My brother's also a pastor, uh, which makes for interesting holiday conversations. And um, he had a guy in his office the other day who was like talking about, man, you know how we all gotta wait for the crystal ship, right? And my brother's like, yeah, the crystal ship. Like when people talk about stuff that's like bigger and ethereal like that, we're like, you're crazy. Unless they can back it up. What's so unique about Jesus that have made people stick with him? Um, one of my favorite stories of someone who was not a believer in Jesus, but then who became one, is the story of C.S. Lewis. I mean, most of you have heard of C.S. Lewis. He's best known publicly, like popularly, as an author. He wrote the Chronicles of Narnia. That's like the thing that he's most well known for. But he's also like, the dude was a legit theologian. He had a radio program. He wrote some serious books. And the guy thought deep. Okay, and, but here's the thing about C.S. Lewis. Before he became a Christian, he was actually, he, he was battling with, am I an atheist? Not, am I a Christian, but do I even believe that God exists? But he studied and he found some evidence and some reason to kind of believe that. And so he leaves us, after he kind of is convinced and he becomes a Christian, he leaves us with a lot of writings. And one of the things, that, it's one of my favorite quotes by him. It's a little bit longer, so bear with me. But as he talks about this idea of why would someone believe this crazy person who claims to be God, this is a quote that we have from him. He says, I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often try to say about Jesus. I'm ready to accept that Jesus is a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sorts of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He'd be a lunatic on the level with a man who says he's a poached egg or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him. You can kill him as a demon or you can follow his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come up with any patronizing nonsense about his just being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us and he did not intend to. In other words, a lot of people, including many of the major world religions, will look to Jesus and be like, yeah, he's a great guy. He's awesome. Alita, we've got t-shirts. Jesus is my homeboy, right? Like, I'm down with Jesus. I don't believe he was God, but he's a really great guy. And the reality is he said he was God. He said he had the power to bring life. He says all of these things, and either he is a lunatic or he's a liar or the option that seems available, is that he was Lord. That he was the person that he says he was and he did the things that he said he did. And so today what we want to do is look at Jesus as the unique way. And each one of these uh, lessons over the next three weeks are going to have different unique qualities. And Jesus as the unique way is our goal today. Uh, so if you've got a Bible, grab it. We're going to be uh, starting out in the book of Matthew, uh, chapter 1, very first chapter of Matthew. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, we give them away for free. There's some on the shelf hidden behind all those Christmas presents over there. But feel free to go grab one now or make sure you take one with you before you leave today. Look it up on your phone if you want to. It'll also be on the screen behind me. We're going to be camping out in Matthew, chapter 1. We're going to flip over to some other verses a little bit later. But what we find in Matthew, first of all, it's a, one of the biographies of Jesus' life. We've got four of them in the Bible. And in Matthew chapter 1, we get the narrative about Jesus coming to earth as a human baby. And like this kind of, we call it the Christmas story. And, and, and as we hit chapter 1 and get about to verse 18, we meet, Joseph's, we meet Jesus' earthly father, Joseph. Uh, 
Mary was made pregnant by God's Holy Spirit, but she also had been uh, engaged to, betrothed to a human man, and that guy would be the human that raised Jesus on this earth. And so now Joseph finds himself in an interesting situation. His soon-to-be wife comes to him and says, I'm going to have a baby, and it's not yours. But don't worry, God did it to me as a miracle. (laughs) And he's like, oh, I don't buy it. That's, yeah. So Joseph makes plans to privately divorce her. In their culture, they essentially were committed. They weren't officially married yet, but they were committed. And so it was actually kind of a process to break this relationship off. And he's going to secretly divorce her until God steps in and has a word with Joseph. I just want to look at it. This is in Matthew chapter 1. We're going to look at uh, verse 20, actually the second half of verse 20. And an angel of God comes to Joseph, and this is what he says. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All right, time out. Guys in the room. Your wife, fiance, girlfriend, whatever, she comes to you, she lets you know this story, okay? Hey, listen, this is, I'm gonna have a baby. But don't worry, it was a miracle. How likely are you to believe her? Zero, that's how likely you are. You are zero likely to believe her if you needed help filling in the blank there. You are zero zero likely to believe her. That's not how it works. You're gonna have your doubts. And so you're gonna make plans to move forward with that. And if like Joseph, you're like, listen, I love what it says, he was gonna quietly divorce her. I think it showed a bit of Joseph's kind of character. He wasn't trying to make a spectacle of it. He didn't wanna drag her name through the mud. He's just like, I just need to get out of this because... Something's going on here that's not cool. I, I, I want to get out of this, and I'm going to ha- do my best to help you preserve some of your dignity. But while you're going through these plans, you're sitting in your house, and an angel from God shows up. Now, here's the deal. When angels show up in the Bible, this is, these are the most pivotal, epic moments in history when this happens, okay, all throughout the Bible. When you've got major things about to happen, God's like, okay, I'm going to need to step in, and I'm going to need to clarify to a human being just so you know exactly what I want to go down. And so that's when we see angels show up. Uh, they're messengers from God. With, and throughout Scripture, when you see an angel come, the people who see the angel are never really confused as to what's happening. They're scared. That's always their reaction. <laughs> they're scared. But they're never like, was it something I ate? You know, like maybe, maybe I'm just having a bad dream. Like they're very clear this is actually happening. There's a clarity that apparently comes over them when they're, and, and Joseph in this moment is the same way. He sees this go down, and when it all is said and done and the angel leaves, Joseph is convinced. And so we see in the story, he sticks it out, and he says, I'm, gonna, I'm going to marry this woman. He doesn't have to be told twice. And, and what does the angel tell him? It's a very unique thing. He says, you are to give this baby the name Jesus. Now, Jesus is a cool name, I guess. Maybe you know some Jesuses in your life, right? This is a common name, actually, in this time. A very Jewish name. The Greek name Jesus is a translation of the Hebrew name Yeshua. All right, and actually we have an English derivative of that, Joshua. 
So if you got any friends named Josh running around, where's Josh? There he is. There's Jesus back there. Same name, okay? Same name. Names have been sticking around for generations and culture after culture, language after language. They get translated. So this is a very, not only a, a very common name, but a very Jewish name. The name uh, Yeshua, it, what it meant was redeemer or deliverer or kind of more uh, clear for our understanding, savior is what it means. And so in a Jewish context, especially to someone with a Jewish background, they had their great uh, leader, a guy named Joshua. That you, there's a book of the Bible named after him. And he was kind of a people who kind of, kind of a leader who kind of swept in and did all this leadership and kind of led them into the promised land and all this stuff. And so the idea of someone named Yeshua, it, it's a sign that says, you know what? God is our savior. The Lord is our savior. Every time I say the name Yeshua, I remember that God is our savior. The thing about Jesus is this. When the angel comes to Joseph, he says, I want you to know something. You're to name him Jesus, but not as a reminder that the Lord is the Savior, but because he is the personification of salvation. It says, because he will save his people from their sins. Think about all the problems that we have in the world. I mean, there's a long list. Poverty, cancer, and other diseases. There's food crisis, hungry kids, hungry villages, there's environmental problems that we're like, man, we're just, let's fight about it, let's do legislation over it, instead of just be like, yeah, but let's just actually also be wise. Like, let's not just make a mess, it's a problem. Human trafficking is a huge issue in our world. War has always been a problem. Drug epidemics that ruin individuals and families and communities. There's kids without families. And that's just a short list from like one news cycle, you know? The world's full of problems. And you can try to track down all the problems. Is it legislation? Is it, you know, single parent homes? Is it education? Is it economy? Like, what is it? But when you boil it all down and you look at it, especially through the lens of what God tries to teach us through the Bible, what we find is that there is a deeper underlying problem of all the problems. It's the root problem, and it's a sin problem. Because what happens when sin enters the world, sin is our human nature taking over and us deciding that we want to do what we want to do instead of what God wants us to do. So the word sin actually means to miss the mark of what God wants us to do. And the problem with that is as soon as sin enters our life and we begin to say, I can do better with my life, God, than you can do with my life, we begin to take leadership and control, there's a severing that happens. And that happened when sin entered the world. There was this separation between man and God. That's the whole biblical narrative. The idea that there was a created, a perfect world. There, was, there were no problems. <laughs> there were no problems. There was no sin. But because sin enters the world, this division happens. And there's some things it's hard for us to rectify when we think about like, okay, yeah, but why do bad things happen to good people? And why does disease happen to people that didn't see it coming? And this this is where I'm landing on it. This is where as I wrestle with that same question myself, at the foundation of what all of creation is, we are spiritual. Human beings were created in the image of God. Something that has a soul is innately more valuable than something that does not, right? Are you going to jump in front of a car to save, you know, a tree? Maybe some people. But are you more likely to jump in front of a car to save a human? Yes. Because there's something inside of you that just says, there's a soul in that. There's something deeper. And there's a spiritual undergirding to everything we do. And here's what I know. When the, when the foundation of something begins to crumble, 
the structure of it can't stand. So when sin enters the world, it begins to crumble the foundation of what humanity is, what the world is, and then there is a trickle-down effect of results. And it happens when the structure of our world begins to fall. And over and over it happens. And this is what this angel says to Joseph. You to name him Jesus. Because he's here to fix that problem. The Apostle Paul puts it a different way. This is in the book of Ephesians, if you want to flip over there. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. He describes this foundational problem like this. He says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now work in the world and those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. And like the rest, we were by nature deserving wrath. It's like this is picture of brokenness, of problems, and it's just falling apart at the seams. The foundation is crumbled, the structure begins to fall. And so the birth of Jesus, this baby, was a big deal. Because for thousands of years, God had been promising this. That's what the story of the Old Testament tells. And there's going to be a solution. Have you ever uh, driven down I-95, like, from North Carolina, South Carolina, or back up. Okay, there's there's a magical land right at that juncture, isn't there? Uh, It's a land of, uh, you know, 80-foot observation towers shaped like sombreros. Uh, It's a land where for 1,000 miles, uh, billboards advertise you never saw such a place. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, It's it's a beautiful land, and they've got a mascot named Pedro. And, uh, of course, I'm talking about south of the border, south of the border. The fireworks are cheap, and the creepiness is free. That's that's their motto. it's part truck stop, it's part tourist trap. Uh, they've got a restaurant and a gift shop, for some reason a hotel. Um, there's a gas station there, a few other things. Um, the reason that we stopped several years ago, my family, was because we had to go to the bathroom. And you've been on I-95 and it's good to have a place to stop. And so we pulled in, the kids were like, I wanna see the big thing. And I'm like, I don't think you do, but let's go. And our kids were very young. I think Silas was probably six or seven years old. Okay, he's 13 now, so it's been a little while. And, and we went to the rest stop area. Here's the thing. I don't want to throw too much shade at south of the border. I mean, they do a good enough job on their own. But maybe, like, it's your thing. Maybe you actually have vacation planned there in the spring. And good for you. Like, I'm not even joking that. Um, but here's the thing. Like, the, the bathroom area. Like, it's creepy enough as it is. But the bathroom is like the Super Bowl of creepiness at that place. And so we go into this place. And... Um, I noticed when I walked in, I don't know if it's still there now, but I, 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 when I walked in, on the sink in the bathroom was a tip jar. And that's weird enough, uh, but at like a truck stop bathroom, especially this one, I'm like, okay, if you really enjoyed your creepiness, please show your appreciation, <laughs> give a tip. And so I noticed it. I also noticed that it had fallen over and the money was like on the floor, okay? And my son was with me and I turned my back on him just for a minute. Those guys are, they're fast, okay? These guys are so fast, it's not my fault. Uh, and the next thing I know, he's like, Dad, look what I found. I turn around, and there's my son. And he's, he's sitting on this puddly, damp floor, and he's got fistfuls of truck stop bathroom change in his hands, just happy as can be, feeling rich. He's like, Dad, look. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> And so I, we, we, really, like, we put it down. I washed his hands like five times. He was very upset when he found out that we couldn't keep the money. I told him it was for Pedro. Um, and we go out. Oh, okay, you got that picture in your mind? I hope it never leaves because this is the deal. Isn't that how sin is? 
Like we see it and it looks awesome. I just got to have some. And we sit down in it and we play in it and we feel rich and we feel satisfied. And many times we have no idea how nasty it is to our soul. I think we understand it too well. I know I do. I definitely know I do. There are times when I say things I shouldn't say. I think things that I shouldn't do. think. I do things that I shouldn't do. Sometimes I can have too much anger with my wife or my kids or I'm a jerk. When I say things out of my mouth, I just straight up look at something and go, that's wrong, but I want it anyway and I'm going to do it anyway. And I settle down on the floor and I dig in my treasure I'm covered in filth. And here's the unique thing about Jesus. That the father is in the bathroom and he turns around and he sees us there and he's like, "Mm." let me show you a better way. And he picks us up and he gets us clean and we move on with life. God enters our story through Jesus to show us that there's a way out of this mess. That's what's unique about Jesus. And I'm going to tell you something. If you've been going to church since you were a kid, maybe you've been here for two years, and you're like, you have heard this before. If this is news to you, you're hearing it for the first time, I want it to sink in. But here's the reality with us. We forget. We forget. And I couldn't think of any better way to start this Christmas series than to remind us, like, Jesus The story of Jesus is not about having a cool holiday. It's not about, oh, how cute babies are. Jesus was a baby and he's a manger. And let's get all our kids to dress up in bathrobes and reenact a manger scene. Like, that's cool. But that's not what Christmas is. That's not what Jesus coming into the world is. This is God stepping in and saying, there is a better way. And there is a unique way. Because we're quick to say, there's lots of ways. But that's not the option that Jesus leaves open to us. John 3.16 is probably the most pop, well-known, popular New Testament Bible verse. People who aren't believers have seen it. I'm like, what do that is? You know, like athletes write it on their stuff and, and people hold up signs and say John 3.16. And so here's the thing. You, you might have memorized that in three different translations. That's awesome. Here's what I want you to do today. I want you to forget that you've ever heard that verse. And I want to read it from a, a different translation that I, I found this week for the first time. Never, never seen it before. Um, and sometimes when we read in, in different English translations, it gives a different spin on a verse so you can like think about it for the first time. This is John 3.16 in a, in a version that I've never heard before. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only and unique son so that everyone who trusts in him may have eternal life instead of being utterly destroyed. For God did not send his son into the world to judge the world, but rather so that through him the world might be saved, delivered, Rescued, Yeshua. Those who trust in him are not judged. Those who do not trust in him have been judged already in that they have not trusted in the one who God, who is God's only and unique son. That version was called the Complete Jewish Bible Translation, CJV. It's also on the YouVersion app if you ever want to tinker in that and read it. It's got some pretty cool translations. Jesus is uniquely qualified to help deal with our sin problem. No one else can do it. 
And we're calling this series Unique Jesus because there are things that Jesus does and can do and did that nobody else can do and achieve and accomplish for us. He's the one and only. He was fully God, but he was sent on a mission as a fully man to save us. And only Jesus could do that. Jesus himself talks about it. In John chapter 14, he's talking to his disciples about how they might be made right with God and some things. And this is what he says in John chapter 14, starting at verse 1. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, also believe in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, I would have, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and I'll take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. And Thomas is one of the disciples and he speaks up and he's like, uh, question, Lord, we don't know where we're go- you're going. So how can we know the way? Which is a very fair question. And Jesus replies like this. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father except through me. Our focus this week as we kick off this series is very simple. Jesus is the unique way for broken people to be made right with God. It's, it's this one and only, he's the one and only path. And, and this is what Jesus says about himself. It's also what early Christians believed about Jesus. It's what we at Venture Church teach and believe in and, 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 and mere weeks after Jesus had died on the cross and was buried and then rose from the grave and then ascended into heaven. Just after that, the apostle Peter is given a talk. We read it in Acts chapter four. And this is what he says. This is one of the very first sermons ever preached about Jesus. He says, salvation is found in no one else. For there is no man under heaven given to man, sorry, there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. That's Acts 4.12. It's unique. He's the one and only. There's, there's not another option. And this isn't very politically correct. It's not. It's not super inclusive. It doesn't feel that way because it, it says, okay, this is a way. This is the way. And if you're not coming from that way, there's no way. And, and we live in a culture, and I appreciate this about our culture. I really do. And I try to live it out in a lot of different ways. I think it's a, it's a, a value of Jesus's that we do our best to include and to be able to relate with people where they are. And so we're so tempted as modern Christians to kind of water it down a bit and be like, well, it's cool, you know, like you don't have to believe just like me because truth is a moving target right now. It's relative and it's getting more and more relative and it's like, you know what, as long as you kind of hit somewhere in this area, but Jesus doesn't leave us that option. But here's the awesome thing about Jesus. Jesus is not an exclusive message. You spin it one way and you say, well, that's really, that's really exclusive, like only certain people. But that, that's actually not true. It's not true at all. In fact, the entire story of the Old Testament, if you were to hold your paper Bible, two-thirds of that Bible, that book, is the history of the Jews in the Old Testament. And I'm going to tell you what the summary of that whole two-thirds of your Bible is. God is making a way so that all of the world can be made right with him. That's the message of the Old Testament. Because there was a time when, yeah, it was very exclusive. I mean, you got to do things a certain way. You got to be from a certain people group. You got to kind of follow these certain rules. But the whole deal with the nation of Israel is like, I'm opening it up. I'm throwing the doors open on this thing because I want all of the world. That was the promise left to Abraham in the very beginning, that all mankind would be blessed through him. And so when we land at Jesus, it's not an exclusive message. It's just that when you're a follower of Jesus, it's up to us to share that message. Now, 
it breaks my heart to think that there are people around the world from different backgrounds who didn't have the opportunity to sit in a church and hear about Jesus. And man, I've wrestled with that question myself. I've wrestled with it along with many of you in this room. Maybe you have. You're like, man, how could God do that? I land in a lot of different places with that. One place where I land is grace is huge. And it's up to God what happens with that. It's not up to me. I also land with the fact that, man, God is our father. And if you have a family and you're a parent, you know this. If you're not thorough with your discipline, your kids are never going to respect you. Okay, it's just not going to happen. You maybe have already learned that lesson the hard way a few times. You can't just say you're going to do something and then just like not. So if you, if you track this thing back, God who is eternal is looking at our life, which is very temporal. You go back to the very beginning, and he's like, listen, don't disobey me. Because if you do, it's going, to be, it's going to be difficult for you to be in my presence. And so the struggle of the rest of the world who then tapers off from those bad decisions, man, that all goes back to <laughs> generations before and the decision that they made. But God said, listen, because I'm a gracious father, I am going to give you a way out of this. And so that's one of those places where we live in the conundrum of like, but, but, but why? But listen, don't let that paralyze you because you know what you have the opportunity to do? If you know about the message of Jesus, you have the opportunity, the obligation, actually the calling and command from Jesus that we get to tell other people. One at a time, it's all it takes. Tell them what? Man, let me tell you about God who came to earth to show us the way back. And he left a track record of faithfulness, and he's not going to leave us hanging. Jesus is the unique way. And if that is not the message that you are living in during Christmas, let me encourage you, recalibrate. <laughs> Reconsider that. That's why this is a joyful time. Not because of Santa and reindeers and songs and mistletoe and parties, but because Jesus has given us a way back, the salvation of our lives, the cure for the problem, because the world's full of it. And God sends a gift that's unique to rescue. Um, as we wrap up, I, I wanna do this. I wanna go back to the story of Joseph because this is just an introduction to a three-week series. And so um, I wanna encourage you, stick, stick around. Come all the way through. There's three. We're gonna be kind of stacking them on and, and, and learning. Uh, but if you bring a friend in the next two weeks, they'll totally be able to jump on board. It's no problem. Because I wanna, I wanna show how this thing builds how good God's grace is. So I want to go back to the passage that uh, we read in Matthew at the very beginning from chapter one, the story of Joseph kind of finding out what's going on and deciding what he's going to do and the angel shows up. And let's read it in its full context, starting at verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose, expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. 
this is just the beginning of unique Jesus. And so as we approach Christmas and as you celebrate all the things you celebrate, and enjoy that, enjoy the festivities, there's nothing wrong with that. But I want to invite you, if you've never considered Jesus as your own personal savior, rescuer, redeemer, deliverer, make that the gift you give him this year. In fact, today you can do it. We, we have our, our elders and some ladies that are our leaders that are be at the back of our room today and you can talk to them. You can come talk to me. You can talk to the friend that you're here with today and you can talk to them. You can say, you know what? I'm ready to take these steps. It's about faith. It's not about having all the answers. It's about saying, I have a, I have a reasonable amount of information, okay? And I'm ready to move forward in faith to trust God. If we wait to answer all the questions of our life, I'm gonna tell you, even the great thinkers like C.S. Lewis would never have come to Jesus. But we get to move forward saying, thank you for being my savior, for coming in to clean me up, to scoop me off of this nasty floor where I've been playing in my treasure and to invite me into your kingdom where you receive the glory and I receive the blessings. And uh, maybe for you this morning, you've already made that decision, but you just needed a good reminder of what Jesus is all about. Jesus is the unique way. Let's pray.